Conte, Florenzi, eccolo il cross tagliato di testa, che da go! Il magnifico, il magnifico, il magnifico rettore! Capital of the world. What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! It's the TC Martin Show! Léger hors jeu, mais cette fois-ci, il n'y en a pas pour Marco Reus! Très fort devant le but! Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Largo pifio. Messi la tiene. Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está Iniesta. Gol! 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 Cerebro! Cerebro! Cerebro Iniesta! The doctor is now in. Hour number two on this Tuesday. Glad to have you with you. Glad to have you with us, I guess. Let's do that. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank with you. A little excited here. I mean, here my soccer open. Italy and Spain. Italia, España. Oh, Euro 2020. When did they change it back to penalty kicks? Say again? When did they change it back to penalty kicks? <laughs> they, they, they haven't. But it's, well, it's, they sure have on ESPN, my friend. So we were talking about this the other day about ball on the spot and the in FIFA has made it a a point of emphasis to say call it ball on the spots because don't call it penalty kicks if you know they go beyond extra time and decide the match that way, which that happened in Italy's last match, happened again today, and uh, where Italy wins two one. Actually it's technically it's one one, and then Italy wins I believe it was 4-3 on I, penalty I kicks. I thought it was 4-2. Maybe it was 4-2. I think yeah. it was 4-2, yeah. but whatever. 4-2 because they didn't get a chance to shoot. Yeah. Spain, Spain didn't get a chance to shoot at the end because it was already Because they'd already, already lost. Yeah, so congratulations to Italia. The only question is I didn't see if they kept their shorts on or not. After the last victory, the shorts were off, thrown into the stands. Well, then you saw the important stuff. You saw who yeah. won the game. And wh- why doesn't every goalie do what Italy's goalie does? He bounces all over the place on the line to try to stop those kicks and gets in the kicker's heads. The other guys just stand there like statues until they get to move, and that's why guys are putting him in the... This guy's stopping everything. That's why Italy advances. He's smarter than every other goalie out there. Well, the other goalies are doing it too, but not to that extent. But what most of the goalies are doing is they're like just kind of keeping their feet like moving like this. Right, so but, they and, like but they're just leaning. He's yeah. literally bouncing yeah. up and down. If you yeah. go, oh, I'm here now, I'm here now. Yeah. He's getting in their heads. He's literally playing mental games. Yeah, there's a timing to that, as you know. I mean, they're, you know, he, if he's like jumping yeah. in, uh, you know, guy. And so we saw the game-winning goal from the ball on the spot, and the, the Italian kicker just booted in going about, you know, just rolling there because the guy already committed himself and he dove to his right. Right, and that's what the Italian yeah. goalie doesn't do as often because right. he is bouncing all over the place. And if you know what we're talking about, the goalkeeper during a ball on the spot or a penalty right. kick, as most people call it, you can't move forward. But as long as you stay on the line, you can move, you can move laterally. 
And this guy's bouncing all over and saying, if you go over here, I'm here now. I'm like, he, he's literally almost challenging him. And you can see the kickers trying to pick the spot and figuring out like how to, the shooting gallery, wh- what they have to shoot at. He's getting in their heads, and he's a big guy. So he's making a lot of saves. I mean, penalty kicks used to be like, you know what, 90% or 85 This guy's stopping more than are getting past him. And that's why, if they go to penalties, Italy feels supremely confident. So at what point do we see the box score change to, like I said, it's like 1-1 and then Italy advances 4-2 PK, we always see. When do we get BOS? It's got to be coming, right? I, I don't know. BOS. I, I don't know if we're going to have Paul on spot in, 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 the, in that or not. It's like anything, though. People still use old vernacular, the leagues or whatever. They try to change things. And, yeah, we know penalty kicks. Going to keep calling it penalty kicks. But I thought it was so funny because I'm watching these ESPN broadcasts, and they're saying, okay, it's ball on the spot. Uh, but, you know, formerly known as penalty kick, so they want us to call it ball on the spot. And they start calling it ball on the spot, but immediately we're going to penalty kicks. And Well, do you think something, maybe that has something to do with the fact that they started calling it ball on the spot and people were calling up, the novice fans going, what the hell are they saying? They're kicking penalties. And they might have reverted back to try to dumb it down, so to speak, or something to the novice fans out there that didn't know what they were talking about. Okay, people have grown up their whole life watching it. We're just going to call them penalties again. Yeah, it's, that's what we know it as, right? Ball in the spot, penalty kicks, whatever. Um, but uh, exciting game again today. So Italy advances on to the final against Spain. All right. I don't know how much you are into this or not. Uh, and it, it kind of caught up on us, even though we've been hearing a little bit of the hype because they've done a pretty good job marketing the match. Okay. And the match can go mean many different things are we talking tennis are we talking golf are we talking anything uh, boxing what are we talking about here well we're talking about the match as they conveniently named it you know last year uh i believe it was like during the pandemic when they came out here to, to shadow creek and they and they did all the stuff with phil mickelson tiger woods and all that stuff right so now the match this year they want to go a little football tie into it so we've got Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady, your tag team, taking on Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers. So today is the actual match. It's happening as we speak right now in Big Sky, Montana, uh, for a whole bunch of money. Uh, They've got all kinds of of different things going on, the closest to the pin, long drive on one hole. They're doing the whole skins game. It's pretty crazy. And I don't think anybody knows the rules, but all they know is it's Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, basically on opposite teams, the first time since they faced each other in the NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field with the Packers losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the famous fourth and eight, or fourth and goal, as we say, from the eight, and let's kick the field goal. Kick it, kick it. Right, exactly. So uh, they're on the course right now. And uh, we'll talk to Nick Bogdanovich here in a little bit and ask him about the wagering, uh, if many people wagered on this. So is it live on TV right now, or they're taping it for later? Well, here's the deal. It's played right now, but I believe it it depends on what you have. Like, if you have, have like, just regular cable or TNT, you're going to watch it at 5 o'clock tonight. You know, but if you have East Coast feeds and all that stuff, then you can watch it right now at 2 o'clock. So... Unless, you know, TNT is just going to replay it at 5 or who knows what. You know, they do that a lot, too. But So, yeah, you can watch it now or you can watch it at 5 o'clock. Take your pick. But it's being played Well, my right pick now. is I'm not watching it. Yeah. So, uh, has gotten a lot of hype. 
weird that it is on a Tuesday. Is Buck and, Power Paul and, watching it? Is he staying up to see the match? Because because Tom Brady's involved? Could be. But we didn't talk about this with Paul Buck Power no, Stewart. No, and, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is, is he what? I mean, we know that he's got to stay up and watch more hockey now. So he probably wasn't all, uh, you know, he probably got to work on time this morning because he didn't have to celebrate. Well, we can ask Numchuck to give him a call. It'll only be, what, 1110 in bloody old England right now, right? There you go. So jolly old England. Jolly, bloody. Uh, bloody old England sounds like a kind of a, 1945? A, a downer type of thing. What, is Jack the Ripper back? <laughs> <laughs> well, they always say blo- uh, bloody, don't they? Well, they say bloody in a negative connotation, yeah. but when you're talking about a happy time, I think it's jolly old England. Well, I'm still upset with him for beating Germany, so they're bloody old England to me. <laughs> okay. Is well. all right? Okay. How about this bloody old match? This jolly old match? What would it be for you? Bloody or a jolly match? Who It'd knows? be a waste of time to me. There you but, go. You know, okay. There you I'm go. I'm not the biggest Tom Brady fan, although I respect what he's done, and you know what I think of Aaron Rodgers. So. Yeah, yeah, it makes two of us. It all is right. not must-see TV for me. All right. So I will say this. They did a pretty good job of promoting this and hyping this up. And, of course, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been taking some, some shots at him from Brady and other people about you know, him hosting Jeopardy and that sort of thing, his contract dispute he's having with the Packers right now, whether he's going to show up for training camp or not. So uh, they did a nice little bit here with Jeopardy with these four guys. So we thought we would share it with you now. Tom, I'll start with you if that's okay. He's an NBA owner, a self-taught guitarist, and has guest starred in both The Office and Game of Thrones. Mm. He's unhappy with his boss and has no options. Who is Aaron Rodgers? Ding, ding, that is correct. Well done. That's a projection, Tom. I never said I'm unhappy with my boss. (laughs) I said it, not you. Aaron, he taught himself algebra at the age of six. He streams on Twitch under the handle TheBadOne23 and can sign his autograph backwards with his left hand. Bill, are you on Twitch? I don't think, I think that's my (laughs) teammate, uh, Bryson DeChambo. That would be correct. Well done. Bryson, this this one's for you here. Oh boy. He was a four-time All-America selection, has the middle name Alfred, and is right-handed. Oh, my gosh. I got no idea. Um, I'm taking a complete guess on this. I don't know why. No way it's my partner. Who is Aaron Who's Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. It is, who is Phil Mickelson, actually? Did no you know Phil, Phil was right-handed? Phil, you never told me that, you son of a gun. Bryson, I got a, I got some news for you. I hate to tell you this. Phil doesn't like you. Okay. <laughs> I love Bryce. What are you talking about? I love the guy. <laughs> I, I didn't know crazy. that. See, I'd be terrible at Jeopardy. I'm more of a Wheel of Fortune guy. Oh, sorry, Aaron. No, that's not a knock on Aaron at all. Mm, teammate infighting already. I don't like it. Okay, give what me we a want. break. It's what we want. Division from within. Oh, I want to talk trash to somebody in this group, so if it has to be Bryson, so be it. <laughs> I got I got one more question. This is for Phil. Phil, the answer to the question is, we're looking for the question, but the answer is, 
He led the New England Patriots to six Super Bowls, architect of one of the greatest dynasties in the history of sports, and is known far and wide as the GOAT. Tom Brady is the GOAT. They also call him the man. They both seem to apply, and uh, he's also my partner, and I love it. Most importantly. Can you uh, form your answer in the phrase of a question? Honestly. The question is, who is the goat but also known as the man and time's up yeah honestly that wasn't double jeopardy we'd be broke are you are you saying who is tom brady i am saying who's tom brady oh no phil i'm sorry that would be bill belichick I don't know how'd that go, Aaron. I know I let you have. There's a little style uh, when you go in with the incorrect answer. You don't want to shame the guy, but you also want to make sure you get it right. And Aaron it, was a he was amazing, by he, the way. He was, and, and just like just like pounds. everything else he does. I know. Bill, you probably didn't you probably didn't watch. It's a little too intelligent for you, but um, uh, but thank you, Tom. There it is, and uh, Aaron Rodgers playing the role of the heel. He's basically playing himself there. Well, you know, typecasting. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about typecasting. You know? Yeah, that's, but, the, guy, that's but, the guy that I want hosting Jeopardy, Mr. Personality. He was horrible hosting Jeopardy. But then again, I'm skewed because any of those I don't other care guys, for him anyway. Have any of those other guys ever watched Jeopardy? They don't even know how to form the question or whatever. And he, he takes forever to form the question and not give the answer, even though it was the wrong answer, even though it was the right answer, but they made it the wrong answer for, you know, for editing purposes. But, yeah, it was... Uh, I don't know. It wasn't really great. <laughs> How about the, uh, the the final answer there? Bill Belichick. And that's true because they said the architect. See? The, he was the architect right. of that. So, yeah, Tom Brady was just one of the performers. You exactly. Know? He, he, he played the lead role. Right. Right. But, but is Bill Belichick known as the greatest coach ever? I mean, is he unquestionably the GOAT? I mean, he probably should be with all of his accomplishments. But I haven't necessarily heard everybody say that. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. If you're going by trophies and rings, he probably he is. And then again, modern time, people tend to skew things right. more. And, and I'm saying he time. probably should be, but yeah. I haven't necessarily heard people with Brady now, especially now that he's won in Tampa Bay as well. Now everybody just that's it, argument over, it's done. But I'm not sure that Belichick gets that same love and respect by everybody out there. I mean, there's still people that will say. Lombardi way back in the yeah, day I'm or saying, something. You know, who, uh, who else would you say? I mean, Lombardi, not not enough titles. Hallis, definitely not enough t- titles. Well, not, uh, not Super Bowls. You know, I mean, they Super had Bowls championships, are, right. but before exactly. there was the Super Bowl. Right. You know, some people think there was a pretty good job done in San Francisco years ago. Yeah. Say Bill Walsh, no question about it. You know, you know I mean, Landry, again, again I, I do think yeah. that the correct answer should be Belichick. I'm just not really – and I think – and I know that they were just having fun with that, and that's why they did it, to try to make it look like it was Brady and kind of throw him off course. Yeah. But I'm just saying, in, in a reality-based situation, I haven't necessarily heard everybody say that because I think there's so many – you think there's Brady haters out there? There's a lot of Belichick haters out there. Yeah, of course, but that all goes with the personality. Okay, and that's why Aaron Rodgers doesn't win people over because of his lack of personality and Belichick with his short answers. And again, he's, you know, Mr. Hoodie, Mr. You know, I mean, whatever shot you want to take. But it's like all these guys that that are like that, that have that type of personality. Bill Lambeer is a perfect example as well. If you know Bill Lambeer, 
you know, he he's has that staunch, you know, personality. He's not going to be really outgoing, but he does have this kind of fun, sarcastic side uh, of humor. And we've heard a little bit of that. You know, we get him to open up, you know, here on the show. But there's a lot of people that, that don't get him and understand him. And they think, oh, this guy's just a sourpuss. And they remember him from his playing days. Yeah, and, 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 and that's what they confuse a lot of yes. times. They think the player or like in Hollywood, the actor is... The right. role they're playing. Right. Bill Lambert was playing a role when he was on the basketball court. He was the big guy. He did a lot of things. He did what it took in his skill set to win NBA championships, and he did that pretty damn well, and he made a lot of enemies doing it. It doesn't mean that's his personality off the court. Right, and back to Belichick, he, here's a guy that you see in the press conferences, you see him on the sideline, then, of course, their teams or their organization has been involved in a couple scandals, so... You know, he's going to take shots for that. So that's going to diminish his personality persona. But if you've ever seen him, say, in the middle of the summertime on a golf course, or you've seen like a couple HBO specials where he's hanging out like with Nick Saban and stuff, you go, hey, this, this guy's pretty cool. I mean, he's got these little one-liners. He's got like the sarcastic sense of humor. And players actually love him because they see that side of him. So, but the general public... They just look at the success of the Patriots. They see the scowl on his face. It's like, oh, yeah, that guy's he's, he's a miserable guy. You know, and that's, it's really not the case. You know, another thing that I thought was kind of interesting about that little bit, and we've seen it all leading up to this because we've heard Brady take a couple shots about the fourth down play, like you mentioned, with kicking the field goal, and not that that was Aaron Rodgers' decision, and he certainly doesn't like it either. But I kind of wondered a little bit. It's like, and again, I don't like Aaron Rodgers. There's no secret about that. But I am kind of wondering, it's like, how come all the jabs are at Aaron Rodgers and nothing at Brady? Why, why wasn't there something about, oh, well, not, you know, are, are your balls properly inflated or something since you've gone down to Florida? You know, nothing was at Tom Brady necessarily as far as the barbs and the jabs and that kind of stuff. Was that because Brady wouldn't handle it as well? Was it because now he is a little bit more beloved because he won out of New England or they just don't like Rodgers that much? But I did find – because there's definitely enough material that you could have kind of th- – yeah. like when, when Brady said something about Rodgers, Rodgers could have come back with something else about Brady. Right, and I think it's two, two- – Two factors, two answers to that. Number one is the timeliness of it all. Brady is in the good light. Brady is is fun. He makes the talk show circuit. He does all these oh, things. He's he, like America's quarterback he, from go, from being the villain in New England. Now that he's won someplace else as well, now it's like oh, and then he got drunk right. on the boat too right. with his wife and family. He's, he's Mister Family Guy. He, he he became Jake the Snake from heel to hero. Right. He's got that personality. He's got that fun personality that, that people are seeing. And the second part is. It's the timing of where is it now? Aaron Rodgers right now going through this nonsense with the Packers. I mean, he is the heel because he's not showing up. It when, you know, he's he had the losses, you know, after press conferences. He doesn't handle the media well. People still remember, you know, when they they lost the fail Mary as they like to call it to Seattle. Okay, with the re- replacement refs. I mean, how he how he was then. How he was, you know, he's went through a couple different breakups. You know, he's bouncing around from women to women. And then Tom's got the gorgeous Giselle. I mean, I think it's all of those factors. You know, one guy's a winner. One guy's really not so much of a winner. In, in, in modern time now is everyone is like, hey, Brady, you know, you, you've kind of warmed on us. You did it with another team. You won, you know, away from New England. And, you know, let, let's see you play another year or two. So I, I just think all of those factors factor into it. And plus, Aaron Rodgers does come across and is, 
you know, pretty much a miserable guy. Well, yeah, he's pompous. He's arrogant. And in he, you that know. bit, you just heard it right there. Oh, for who sure. Who was the most negative guy of the five guys? You had the host and then the four golfers. Who by far was the most negative personality there? Well, not only the most negative, but it's pretty obvious that although he's in this the match, as they're calling it, he really doesn't even know DeChambeau because he, had, he, yeah. he, he couldn't even really pronounce his name. Right. Right. Like a Bryson D. Shem. I mean, yeah. It's like he's trying to read it off the cue card or something. It's like, dude, this is your partner. You've been building this thing up a little bit. Maybe you just hosted Jeopardy because you're so much more intelligent than everybody else. Maybe you should know your partner's name. Yeah. Just because a guy happens to enjoy Jeopardy and, and people may believe that he's pretty good at it doesn't mean that you should be hosting Jeopardy. Okay, that you you need a personality. You need to be able to speak well. You need to be able to to carry yourself a certain way. And he doesn't check any of those boxes. Well, no, and, and you, you've got to make it fun for the contestants and the yeah. listeners. Yeah, you know, you, you can't be condescending. You can't talk down to people. You can't be like, "Well, I'm Mr. Jeopardy now." And it's like Alex Trebek. One of the things that made him, in my opinion, the greatest game show host ever was because he was intelligent enough and he knew everything but he also made it fun for everybody else he made a learning experience and he wasn't afraid when he would get something wrong he also wasn't afraid to even if somebody was like a five-time champ or something if they missed something that he thought was easy to kind of look at him like how the hell did you miss that one or whatever he made it fun for everybody he included everybody in it he wasn't a stuffed shirt i'd be curious to see what the ratings for Jeopardy have been since Alex has passed away. Yeah, yeah. Because I know they've tried a lot of different co-hosts. And I used to watch Jeopardy all the time. If I happen to see it on now, I'll turn it on. But it's certainly far from must-see TV for well, me. Well, more importantly, everything that you said, though, the, the guy's a broadcast pro. And, and that's it. I mean, Anderson Cooper isn't a broadcast pro. I mean, it's hard to watch No, he's a news on guy, CNN. and once a year he does a, a, the, the ball drop on New Year's Eve. Right. You know, again, but he, he's hosting, you know, things on CNN that, again, aren't real pleasing, you know, to watch. He's not a broadcast pro. He's a journalist. And, and he's also got a lot of people that don't like him, especially in today's narrative, right. because of the, you know, your Fox News or your CNN or your MSNBC, mm-hmm. because there's already a negative. I don't really know that Alex Trebek had, you know, half the country not liking him before he took the spot. <laughs> All right, let's go back to the coach situation since you brought it up. And let's say of... The, the top coaches of all time, who, who would that be? Who would it be Bill Belichick? And I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll just throw off some names here, and you tell me where you'd put him, say, in your top ten. Uh, obviously, you know, Vince Lombardi, would you put him at, at number one or would you put him at number two? Because you look at a guy who's had 738, regular, uh, a 738 winning percentage during the regular season. Of course, you know, he won those, those first two Super Bowls with the Packers and won NFL championships, you know, prior to that. But a lot of people consider Vince Lombardi because the trophy's named after him as well, too, as maybe number one. But Belichick, by far, has more Super Bowl trophies. Where would you put Lombardi? Well, I would have to look at Lombardi's entire before Super Bowls and that, how many championships did they win leading up to that before it was officially called the Super Bowl. Uh, he was instrumental, you know, becoming an assistant coach and then working his way up and coaching for the Giants and other things too. I don't know exactly where I'd put him without looking at the whole list and trying to figure okay. everything out. But, but he would be high on the list, even though I do have the personal dislike for him. I, I can't deny what he did on the football field. How about Don Shula? 
I mean, a lot of people say he's the greatest. D- Don Shula, I, I thought, did a tremendous job. Of course, had the only team that ever went undefeated for an entire season, won that Super Bowl. And a lot of people maybe don't remember that, you know, Bob Greasy, his superstar quarterback, didn't play a good part of that season. Mm-hmm. And then he actually made the choice to put him in in the big game when some people thought that was controversial because he hadn't played. So Shula certainly um, had a, a had a dynasty down there. I'd put him up there high, but uh, I also think it had a lot to do with the team. He he might be in the top ten, but I don't think he'd be like in my top four or five. Maybe he would. Again, I'd have to who look be, at the list. Who would you put ahead of Shula? Would I mean, put, I would put would George you, Hallis up there. Now, part of that is my and, – and again, right. although I think he made a lot of bad decisions, George Hallis helped, helped revolutionize the game of football. He brought the T formation there, the forward pass, different things, getting guys like Bronco Nagurski and different, different things that were going on. So I, I think George Hallis was instrumental in him and Vince Lombardi and the rivalry that the Bears and the Packers had when they were both good and relevant teams, I think that was important to the growth of the NFL and everything else that uh, that they brought to it. So I do think Hallis, once the Super Bowl started, the Bears weren't winning them. But before that time, the Bears and the Packers pretty much dominated the league. How about Chuck Knoll? See? Chuck Noll, I, I could see up there. He's got, and he's certainly, got four titles. Yeah, I mean, and certainly he had phenomenal teams as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Chuck Noll was one that I was going to bring up. He would be on my list of people there. A, a guy like a Hank Stram might even be there, although he wasn't winning all the time. He, he brought legitimacy to the AFC and got them in Super Bowls and then did win some in that. So, you know, I mean, he was another guy that maybe doesn't get the love in that that uh, he deserves a little bit. But, you know, it, it, it's tough to see because we do look at just – like we said, Belichick has the most championships, so he must be the GOAT. Not everybody had, the, especially before free agency in that, when you could build teams. If you had a great team already in place, you were kind of set for a long time back in the old days. You know, people want to talk about Bill Walsh. they got to remember Bill Walsh was only a coach for 10 years. But he had an incredible run during during that short time, and he had he had some great teams and got the West Coast offense and right. innovated the game in his way. And that and and again, certainly none of these guys on this list are there without a plethora of talent yeah. that they're getting to coach. Bill Walsh le- won less than a hundred regular season games too. Think about that. That's but, that's but, incredible. But but consider you know. But a lot, a lot of those were the old fourteen game seasons too, yeah, right? Correct. Yeah. So. And you can go way back with Chuck Knoll, some of those you know teams in the same. Yeah, and, and Hallis and Lombardi. I mean, they, they Tom, were the yeah, you know Tom the, Landry's or, another guy. Yeah, they you know? they were old twelve game seasons back yeah, then. Yeah, you know, some people might throw Paul Brown in there or something. I was gonna say Paul Brown, Curly Lambeau. You can even throw maybe Joe Gibbs is in a top ten. Because Joe Gibbs accomplished quite a bit, too, with those Redskin teams. Joe Gibbs, you could actually make the argument, was he more successful as a football coach or a NASCAR? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he he's taken two completely different sports and pretty much dominated both of them yeah. while he was there for yeah. his tenure. And Bill Walsh probably gets a lot of credit for developing other head coaches as well, too. The famous Walsh tree with all those you know, guys that coached underneath him. So, But uh, a lot of people don't realize, yeah, Walsh did not coach that long. Some great teams, and and, and, and again, he, he, but he kind of knew when it was up and when it was time for him to step aside. Mm. And some of these guys, he's keep on bouncing from place to place. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it it's a tough thing, but um, I would say that I don't know how you don't make Belichick the goat. 
But again, I, 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 that's why I just thought it was interesting when they did that in that little Jeopardy skit there because I don't necessarily ever hear people say that all the time. Because I really, as much as people don't like Tom Brady, I think there's more people that don't like Belichick deep down. Yeah, and again, I think for those reasons that we discussed, no doubt. But and again, like even at least Brady will like he'll acknowledge the Deflate Gate or the video, and you know he'll kind of make fun of her. Belichick just kind of ignores it, like. Hey, we have the rings, and I don't give a damn what any of you think about anything. You're not taking that away from me, and you know, basically, screw you. Yeah, and you know, you know, time does heal everything. And again, I think Tom Brady always handled that uh, pretty much with class. The whole Deflate Gate begin. I mean, if this competition or that Jeopardy bit, you know, happened five or six years ago, no question about it. People would be taking shots at Tom Brady. Oh my because, God, yes. be, because they did. But to his credit, being very, very smart and being very media savvy. Again, and that goes a long way with the general public. You know, when you're talking about football fans, I mean, they want they want to like people that are media savvy, that are fun guys. Terry Bradshaw, same type of thing. I mean, right after Terry Bradshaw retired, I mean, he was he was loved by everybody. Still is loved today and, in and his he's old not, age because Ter- he's on TV every week. But he but he's you know he makes fun of himself. Well, and, Terry, and Brady could do that too. And Terry, and that's the thing. Brad, Bradshaw's not afraid to make fun of himself. He kind of embraces it. And I think now too, because like you mentioned, with Tom Brady going down to Tampa Bay, with winning the Super Bowl down there, and now that he's been around so long, now it's even a nicer story. Now people bring up the sixth round draft pick thing, the this and that, you know, the stuff that you know. Oh well, he came in and they didn't even know. I mean, Bledsoe was there, and what were they going to do? So, but they stuck with him, and he became the quarterback, and he's always used a chip on his shoulder. You know, now now they look at the whole story and cycle of it, whereas the people that just couldn't stand him just in New England never wanted to give him props for anything. All right, so uh, Tom Brady's partner today, Phil Mickelson, they're in the match in Big Sky, Montana. Phil Alfred the, Nicholson. You like that? Nicholson, yeah. Right-handed, which I knew. The yeah. guy's right-handed, the golf's left-handed. Yeah, I knew that. I did not know his middle yeah. name was Alfred. Right. So, uh, yeah, Phil Mickelson, he was uh, getting ready earlier today, and uh, here's, what, here's his game plan for today's match. Being aggressive, hitting bombs. Why is that important? Well, because you've got to hit bombs off the tee, and that's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs. He was. Tom Brady's going to throw bombs. Phil Mickelson's going to hit him. What's the elevation there? I mean, it could be it's high. high. It's it big be, sky, baby. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. so, so again, it's, it's probably bombs away even more because of the elevation and everything else. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how, how this plays itself I, Since out. they were going to a high elevation place, I kind of wish that they were doing it in Denver outside of a course there, yeah. especially with all the Rogers stuff, because then you'd be getting oh, all that geez. talk as well. Yeah. It would add just more stupidity to the stupid, the match. Yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, when we come back, Nick Bogdanovich at William Hill, he is going to join us. We talk NBA Finals, Euro 2020. NBA Finals, hitting bombs. Yeah, hitting bombs, <laughs> all of that stuff with Nick B next. The TC Martin Show is back. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a halftime. Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. TC Martin. Yes! In the face! The doctor is now in. 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 We'll get ready for the NBA Finals game number one tonight. The Suns and the Bucks. A little bit different, huh? No Warriors, no Lakers, no LeBron James. Hmm. I wonder how the TV ratings are going to do for this. That will be interesting. You don't have you know, a couple mid-market sizes with Phoenix uh, in Milwaukee. And again, two teams that are not used to be playing in July. 
Do you think it means more to one city than it does to the other? Because I know Suns fans are really excited and stoked that they're back in the championship in that. But, I mean, it's been a long, long time for the Bucks as well. No, I mean, they love their basketball in Milwaukee. Again, when I was living back there, the Bucks were never, never good, you know, during the early 2000s, even up until the last few years. And people would still go to the games. I mean, they would still drive through the snow and go in there in November and December and January nights to, to support the Bucks, And they would still get, you know, 15,000, 16,000 there. Uh, it's amazing. But you have a lot of those people, and it makes sense, especially back in Wisconsin, those same Packer fans or Buck fans and Brewer fans and the traditionalists, and they, they hang on to the tradition. Yeah. University you know, of Wisconsin fans. Yeah, they, just, they, love, they love everything from the state of Wisconsin. They, they do. They just love it, and they will go support. And they are going ballistic and so when the Bucks have been good the last couple seasons I mean yeah and if you've seen uh, the shots from outside of the arena in the in the Eastern Conference Finals I mean again you, you saw 10,000 fans you know outside of uh, of the arena there in, in downtown Milwaukee and downtown Milwaukee has a, a really a couple nice areas there really nice areas there by the lake good restaurants and, and all that sort of thing and yeah and people will be out there again tonight on a beautiful July night so uh, they'll be watching the games. So, yeah, I, you know, I think of both. Because I remember those Suns team. We go back to the Alvin Adams days, Garherd, you know, uh, the battle in that 75-76 you know, series against uh, the Boston Celtics. And then, you know, when Barkley was there, Kevin Johnson was there, of course, you know, the you know early 90s. And those teams didn't get it done, but they were good. They were competitive. And I remember driving through Phoenix and seeing people paint their driveways purple and orange. I remember seeing that stuff. So I, I remember, yeah. I think it was Dan Marley used to have a restaurant back there, and they said, oh, yep. everything's Still served does. on trays tonight because he's just he's bombing away from the three-point line. Yeah, yep. that's very true. All right, Nick Bogdanovich will find out who's bombing away at the sportsbook as we talk finals. Nick, what's going on, buddy? Nothing, bud. Just watching a little golf. I know. We're, uh, we're talking about that, too. Now, so let's uh, talk about the match with Brady and Mickelson and Rodgers and DeChambeau. Were people going to the window to, to bet this thing today, or what kind of handle did you see? Yeah, no, a uh, very good handle. Uh, you know, if it's on TV and it's pretty much in a window by itself, which I guess it's going to overlap some baseball. But, yeah, no, there was plenty of action on this match. We need uh, we need the favorite pretty good. All right, and, and tell us uh, who the favorite is and what, 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 what was that line? Well, I know the favorite was Rodgers and DeChambeau, but what was the number? Yeah, DeChambeau and Rodgers were open about $1.80, got bet down to about $1.65. So they bet the dog. They bet a little to win a lot, and, you know, they like back and Phil Mickelson. So, yeah, we're rooting for DeChambeau and Rodgers. What, what kind of handle? I know you said you took some pretty good handle, Nick, but what about some, some large bets? Were there some large six-figure bets on this? I mean, this is an exhibition. I mean, people are really trying to handicap this thing, or is it just like, hey, this is play money? Yeah, no, there were no that, uh, bets of that size. I think the biggest bet we took was like uh, 10000 on it. Okay. All right, and what's your limit for What was your limit for this on this? There, there wasn't a limit. Uh, if someone would have bought a... They probably would have bet. They could bet whatever they want on something goofy like this. This is purest form of gambling there is. That is true. And you'll take all comers, right? You'll take all action. Well, we did. I mean, we had someone bet two hundred thousand on Italy in regulation. So yeah, we do. We do take pretty much, uh, you know, a lot of big wagers. But it, it, on this, I don't know how you can handicap it. So it is like flipping coins. So I mean, like I said, there. Who knows what the line should or could have been, but. Uh, you know, we we didn't turn any bets away on that. That's for sure. Has, has there been a lot of 
in match wagering then or something like that? Since you like you said you can't handicap it, did people maybe wait a couple holes to get a feel for what they saw out there and then they try to figure out right, now I can start handicapping it because I kind of see how it's going? Yeah, there's no doubt. We're booking it in, uh, live, so the price is always changing. So I'm, I'm sure we're writing plenty of bets in play. All right, Nick Bogdanovich at William Hill. So you, you mentioned uh, Italy and Spain today, Nick. I mean, it was, I was pretty close, I guess, to a pick of Italy, a, a, a slight favorite. But you talk about a coin flip. You, you know, when you get these these matches, and we're seeing them going to ball in the spots or slash penalty kicks, uh, it kind of almost seems like a sucker's bet taking Italy in regulation, even though they had a one nothing lead, and then what uh, Spain scored in in the eighty fifth minute. I mean, don't you view some of these matches? Obviously, you know, England was a heavy favorite, you know, the other day over Ukraine. But with a lot of these matches, especially in these two semifinals, especially this semifinal game today, I mean, it is kind of a pick 'em. Well, that game I watched every second of. It was those two teams were very even. Uh, Spain might even had a little out of bed, a little the better of the play. But yeah, it was a coin flip. Either way, it was high quality soccer. It, I mean. It stinks that after that long a time you're tied and you got to settle it on penalty kicks, but I guess you really have no option because the guys are going to drop dead from exhaustion if you keep playing. So I uh, went to penalty kicks. Italy moves on, and now they get the winner of uh, England and Denmark. When you see Italy go to penalty kicks, because we've talked about it here a bit, the goalie of Italy, the way he bounces around and he seems to make more saves than he gives up goals, which isn't necessarily the norm, is Italy then a favorite when it comes to a position like that because people have seen him and what he's done in the past? Uh, he was a massive man, I know that. The other guy was big and tall and athletic too, not as tall as the Italy guy. But, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't follow it well enough to know which team – would would do better in penalty kicks. It's probably quite random, and I, I mean, I don't know if they they're in enough national teams or enough. You know, you have enough data from four years ago. I mean, I, I don't see how they could. You know, yeah, I, I would say there's probably some price you could put on it, but who? Who, who, if someone tells you they have a definitive price, they're lying to you. Right, right. <laughs> All right, uh, what kind of action are you seeing for England-Denmark? And that's going to be some one-sided action, or are you getting some dog money there? Yeah, we're going to need, we're gonna need uh, England big. I mean, Denmark big. They're, England's the favorite. They're at home. Uh, there's no question. It's only a matter for how much we're going to need England. I mean, Denmark. I keep saying England, but right. I'm doing nine things at once. I'm booking right now, taking bets, and <laughs> trying to do a radio show. But yeah, no, we're going to need Denmark big. All right, Nick. Uh, let's talk a little NBA. We got game number one tonight. How close have you been monitoring this situation, especially with the the situation with uh, Giannis uh, now being upgraded to questionable? Uh, talk about that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he shows up. Uh, and if he does show up, is he going to play like all the other injured guys, like Trey Young, who had a horrible game seven or not? So, and if it's only for 10, 15, 20 minutes, who knows? Uh, we opened five and a half, went to six. When there was news that he got upgraded uh, today, we went to five and a half. Uh, but now it's all back to six. So the money's for Phoenix. So uh, the better sure don't believe uh, the Greek Freak's going to be there tonight. When it comes to uh, this finals, I know a lot of people fell in love with Phoenix right after they beat the Lakers. Have they kind of been like the public team ever since that series leading into this? And is there any kind of, uh, you know, that it, it, would that be a bad thing for you if the Suns up, end up winning the whole thing? 
Oh yeah, I mean we lose with Phoenix and win real good with Milwaukee, so we're de- we're definitely big Milwaukee fans. I'd say the Phoenix has been public for a lot longer than that. Uh, now they ran into the Lakers in Game One and Two, and the Lakers are the Lakers, so we needed the Suns in those games. But before that, regular season, they were the one seed. People bet them to win the division. They bet them to win the conference. They bet them to win it all. Uh, they bet them in a lot of the playoff games. So other than those first two games against the Lakers, I'd say the Suns have been public. Uh, pretty much all year. All right, uh, Nick Bogdanovich over at William Hill. So the Suns, where's that number sit for game number one tonight, Nick? Is it still around five and a half? Yeah, six. Phoenix is six right now. The total two nineteen and a half. Okay, and uh, we, we've seen some high-scoring games here in the playoffs. And when we look at these two teams, you know, Phoenix beat the Bucks on two occasions this year. The one in Phoenix was one twenty-five, one twenty-four, and the one in Milwaukee was one twenty-eight, one twenty-seven. That spells. Big time over to me, Nick. Yeah, especially if the Greek freak isn't out there. I think the game flows a little more with him out. He's a defensive stopper and does post-ups. So I think it, it moves a little faster with him out. So I, I would agree. I would only go over. And they have. We opened this thing 217. It's up to 219 and a half. And going back to Phoenix about being a public team, it seems very strange for the Phoenix Suns to be a public team, especially when two years ago they were 19-63. and They've been a doormat you know, for the last decade plus. And they really don't, aside from Chris Paul, they don't have any of those household name type of guys. You know, people really, you know, Devin Booker, okay. I mean, he's, he's built a nice little resume, you know, over the last couple seasons. But DeAndre Ayton, I mean, people, you know, here in Vegas, you know, know, you know, know him a little bit because of his time at University of Arizona. But outside of that, I mean, again, this isn't a veteran-laden team outside of Chris Paul who's 36 years old. No, young team. Uh, obviously, the... Last year in the bubble, they went undefeated and got all sorts of confidence. And then, you know, went out and got Chris Paul, and he's made all the difference. A young, talented team. He's their leader and shown them how to win, and it's just snowballed. And they've caught every break in the world playing teams with their best player out. Uh, looks like they're going to do it for all four rounds for some extent. So, But hats off to Phoenix. They're just uh, playing great basketball. I'd love to see them do it. Even though these aren't two of the bigger markets, they're middle to small market teams by NBA standards. How has the handle been on this? Has it has it made a difference, or because it's the NBA Finals, is everybody still jumping on it, just like it was the Lakers in Philadelphia or somebody else? No, the handle's very good. Uh, would it be stronger if it was Lakers and Nets? Yes, but it's still big. I mean, people are involved. They're betting the props, betting to win in four, win in seven. Uh, first quarter, first half, second half, uh, best of seven. So, yeah, no, the handle is very, very good. Uh, But like I said, if Brooklyn or or the Lakers win, it would be bigger. You know, as important as the three-point line is in the NBA, and especially with these teams, you know, going crazy and shooting everything from beyond there, uh, and the Bucks are famous for putting up, you know, 40, 45 a game. Is that a prop that has been getting some attention or some action, like total three-pointers made by either one team or the other, or combined? Yeah, we got combined. Most, the, the prop is three-pointers made in the game. I think we opened at 24. It's up to 24.5. So they, they tend to bet the props like they do the game, favorite and over. So they bet over in these props, over, over, over. So, uh, But, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they averaged about 25, 25 and a half regular season. They've only averaged about 22, 22 and a half 
postseason. Postseason usually slows down because defense is actually allowed in, in the postseason. <laughs> uh, regular season, it's optional. So uh, we'll see. But, you know, it's a pretty high total, 220, and they went over 24. So with the NBA Finals, do you increase the number of props, you know, like you do with, a, you know, with football and the Super Bowl where you've got you know, more and more options here than you would, say, a, a couple weeks ago? Yeah, there is. I mean, there's four or five players on each team, first to 15, total three-pointers made, largest lead, couple-point spread props, things like that. A few more, but uh, do they get – they don't get action like the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is just like a, on a level 52 billion times more. It's just incredible. But we do, we do plenty of business on the NBA props. As far as the series price right now, Nick, how big of a favorite is Phoenix? Uh, minus 220, take back 190. So, uh, you know, pretty good two-to-one favorite. I mean, obviously it's going to change with as soon as we know more about the Greek Freak's health. That's the bottom line. I mean, he's just too big of a piece. Uh, MVP, young kid, the leader of that team. So, if it, you know, if they're competitive tonight and he plays a little and shows like he's going to come back, even if they lost, uh, the price won't go up that much. But... But if Phoenix blows him out and he looks hobbled, this thing this thing will go through the roof. You know, it's interesting because when it comes to the playoffs, it seems like in almost every sport, a lot of people always talk about how important experience is. And Milwaukee's been there for a few years. They haven't quite been to this level. Phoenix is kind of a newcomer to the show. Like you mentioned, last year they had a nice run in the bubble a little bit. But why do you think it is that Phoenix is such a big favorite when they don't necessarily have the experience? Do people just not care about that as much, or is it just because they love this team so much that it's like, the hell with it, Milwaukee hasn't gotten there before. We're all jumping at the bandwagon of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Like I said, Phoenix drawing money all year long. I mean, people just have gotten on them, and they've been good to them. So they're just going to keep it up. They're just going to keep riding them and riding them until they disappoint them. All right, final thing for you, Nick. Uh, NHL last night we thought uh, the season would be over, but Montreal showed up uh, with, with a victory. What kind of handle have you been seeing in the Stanley Cup Finals so far? Solid, not great. Uh, obviously, we wish the Golden Knights were there. We'd be doing about four or five times more on each game, and obviously the whole town would be electric. But yeah, decent. Uh, Montreal pulled one out, even though they, you know they look like they're on life support. Uh, Lightning are still a thirty to one favorite to win it all, uh, so they're going back. And we'll see if uh, Montreal can do the ultimate uh, rabbit uh, getting out of the trap. I just, uh, you know, Tampa just looks so much faster and so much better, but we'll see what happens. That's, that's why they play them. And I, I can imagine that you're going to get nothing but one side and money on the Lightning tomorrow. I mean, how bad are you going to need Montreal? I mean, can you make a line big enough here? Uh, yeah, we'll definitely need Montreal in this game, but when, when the price gets as high as it is, which Montreal, uh, Tampa's a minus 220 favorite, uh, the, the majority of the public bets will be on minus one and a half. Right. So they'll they would rather lay a goal and a half and take a quarter than lay the 220. So uh, Tampa can win, and if they only win by one, we'll still be all right. All right, my man. We'll let you uh, get back to it. Appreciate the time as always. All right, guys. Have a great week. You too. There he is. Nick Bogdanovich over at William Hill booking it all from the Stanley Cup Finals to the NBA Finals, Major League Baseball, the match with Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson against Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau going on as we speak right now in Big Sky, Montana. 
And, uh, of course, uh, Euro 2020 uh, getting a lot of handle because you've got basically four very popular teams that are in the semifinals. And now uh, today Italy defeats Spain. And a lot of people thought, oh, that could have been, you know, maybe should have been the final. But uh, England will get its uh, turn tomorrow as they take on Denmark. And like you said, they're going to need Denmark. And Denmark could pull the upset there. This this Denmark team, remember, that is the team in the in the in, in the first round, you know, of uh, – uh, the knockout stage where the player had the heart attack and they're still playing. And, and, and they're riding that. And I mean, they, riding, they've yeah. definitely used that as something to rally and cry. And the whole team and country have, have rallied around that. And some other people was, who's maybe their team has been knocked out or, uh, you know, they've also kind of made Denmark that, uh, you know, that favorite or that, you know, that feel-good pick or whatever. And you mentioned England. Uh, there's one other thing going on. There's a little tennis tournament going on in England right now, too, which is also getting some action. Probably not as much because the Americans, once again, haven't fared that incredibly well there. But uh, uh, obviously, you know, I've been watching a lot of Wimbledon as well. So, and wow, it looks like Federer and Djokovic might be on a crash course again to meet in the finals. You think? These, these youngsters <laughs> just can't beat these guys. Yeah. Phenomenal. No, it, it seems like, again, to people that... It, Maybe the novice uh, tennis person. It's like these guys. They're these two guys, and like everybody else, especially on the men's side right now. That's yeah, what it seems and, like. and and Nadal going out this year, and Federer having injuries right. coming in. They thought that well, this was going to be the year Djokovic and maybe one of these, but. Federer has been rolling over there. I mean, just playing great. All right. Uh, part of our Terrible Tuesday, we had talked about uh, Shikari Richardson, uh, you know, being basically disqualified because of her positive marijuana uh, test. Yeah, suspended well, for a sus- while. Sus- suspended for the 100 meters. Well, uh, you know, first it was going to be three months, then it was one month, and thought, okay, maybe she could still run in the Olympic Games, but disqualified from the 100 meters because that was going to be within a 30-day window. So there was hope, or at least she was hoping, that they would, you know, maybe let her run in any events past the 30 days, and that would be the 4x100-meter relay. Well, uh, just announced that uh, she will not run at the Tokyo Olympics period after she was being left off of the U.S. relay team. So I think, uh, you know, this story, you know, is, is gaining legs and maybe the way she has handled it, the uh, the kind of pseudo apology, uh, it, you know, maybe the, our Olympic committee did not take uh, too kind to that. Who knows what, but the sorry, not sorry yeah, apology. Yeah. That we played earlier, you know, in the first hour, but uh, yes, you know, she, is claiming again that you know she was just stressed out because of you know she got news about her mother dying, but you know she still ingested the marijuana and uh, and said she knew damn well what she yep, was doing. I mean, can't do it. And, and that's the thing; she originally did take responsibility for it, and then kind of backed away and said, "But this is why it happened." So. You should still let it go. Right. All right. I want to thank Nick Bogdanovich for joining us. BJ Armstrong as well, too. Talking NBA Finals. Looking forward to that tonight. And then, of course, we've got plenty of Major League Baseball on tap uh, tonight as well, too. Tomorrow, we'll start taking a look at game number five of the Stanley Cup Finals as they head back to Tampa. And I think everyone fully expects the Lightning to close it out. But... We've seen Montreal kind of throw a wrench into things before here in Vegas and, and last night on their home ice. And again, Montreal all played them in the second game and lost. So it's not like Montreal has played horrible. Right. 
Tampa Bay's got too many weapons, in my opinion. But then Tampa Bay, you know, like I said, they they outshot him. The, the shots on goal mean nothing. It really does. It's, it's shots in the back of the net. That's all that counts. All right. For Ballpark Frank, T.C. Martin saying so long. We're on all the available cast platforms, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, all there. So go find it. Check it out. And go to tcmartinshow.com as well. Have yourself a good one. We reconvene tomorrow at 2.